watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Tucker's got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit it in. Gregory's touchdown. The Bills make me want to Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing into this. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, Heart, 96.5 FM, Heard wherever you are, whatever you are doing on the ESPN app, seeing, heard, and everything in between, hopefully sitting by the fireplace today. On the mighty QSportsTalk.com. As uh, we speak here, uh, as I look at the in-studio thermometer, it says uh, literally one. It is one degree here in uh, downtown Syracuse. There is heavy snow in uh, the central New York area. I should tell you, for those of you that uh, you shouldn't be on the roads right now if you don't really have to be, but uh, should give you a little bit of a traffic alert for those of you out there on the highways and byways of central New York. I'll get in my uh, traffic copter here and tell you that all northbound lanes of 81, starting at the Lafayette exit, are closed right now uh, due to weather and due to a vehicle crash. According to the State Department of Transportation, heavy snow has closed the three lanes. Uh, A vehicle crash north at the exit to Nedro has also been closed. Uh, At this point, state troopers have been at that crash uh, since just before three o'clock, uh, th- thankfully no injuries reported there, but, uh, 81, a big old mess right now. So for those of you that about this time of the day are about to get on 81, take 81. If you, uh, don't have to, I would suggest, you know, it's, it's closed right in that kind of Nedro Lafayette way. A lot of, you know, certainly when the weather gets bad, it's pretty nasty in those areas. So stay safe out there, friends. You might have to find an alternate route as well on some of your, uh, more familiar, uh, routes in central New York due to uh, some nasty weather out there. As you can tell, it's one degree. You know what kind of day it is in central New York? It is cold enough uh, for something like this. Your tauntaun will freeze before you reach the first marker. Then I'll see you in hell. Yeah, watch out for uh, tauntauns out there. And uh, if you see Luke Skywalker just kind of like uh, lying in the snow, uh, you might want to. Cut open your tauntaun to keep them warm. And I thought they smelled bad on the outside. So we'll keep you warm with some uh, sports talk for you today, friends. That's hot. 437-7644 is the phone number. Brent Axe Media on Twitter and as mentioned at QSportsTalk.com. The live chat is flowing throughout the program. So you guys can tell us what's on your mind uh, throughout the show, including uh, ways to stay warm. 
throughout the program. We have uh, one guest uh, joining us that we know of. We may have another one coming in at some point uh, unscheduled at this point. So uh, if we do confirm that, we'll let you know. But we do know we're going to have A.J. Black with us here. Uh, A.J. does a spectacular job covering all things on the uh, B.C. front. And you can find A.J. at uh, B.C. Eagle Insider. That's part of the 247 Sports Network. He also hosts the Locked On B.C. podcast, a daily podcast about all things Boston College. We're going to get into the keys of the game and get into this matchup a little bit here. Look, I think this is a game that Syracuse should win. Well, Boston College beat Clemson this week. Boston College has won three of their last four. And Boston College has a key player in the lineup that did not face the Orange back on New Year's Eve. This is a different game than the first one around. It's Look, every ACC game is a challenge in its own right, but this is a whole new ball game, quite literally here, the second time around against Boston College. So A.J. Black is going to tell us about the difference that Quinton Post has made for B.C., why they were able to beat Clemson earlier this week. If you didn't see that game, a key injury update for the Eagles as well. We'll get it all from A.J. Black. We'll run that interview for you at 5 o'clock. Had a chance to uh, catch up with A.J. Uh, right before the show, so we're looking forward to that. Lacrosse has entered the chat. Just what you're thinking about on a one-degree snowy day here in Hoth, New York. Lacrosse, but it's back, baby. The Orange are going to take on Vermont 1 o'clock. Don't forget, you can hear the game over on Brostat TK99 tomorrow. We're going to break it down, uh, go over the big questions for Syracuse lacrosse. And not only that matchup with Vermont, which I'm going to tell you, don't fall out of your chair if Vermont wins that game tomorrow at the Dome. How Syracuse can avoid that as they take a step forward from uh, literally their worst season ever a year ago. We will discuss coming up here. Hot takes to keep you warm. Kyrie Irving apparently wants a trade again. Anybody tell Kyrie that yesterday was Groundhog Day? And the blind side will make a return to Fridays because we don't have enough people around to do a draft with Jordan still on the uh, on the lamb a little bit here. And there's no pick six today unless you want to do some sort of Pro Bowl pick six that we can come up with, right? That in-between weekend before a Super Bowl week ramps up next week and we really get you ready for the Eagles and the Chiefs. So uh, the blind side will make its triumphant Friday return later in the program. Uh, we start, though, as we like to here before game days for Syracuse basketball. We'll wake up the voice guy. Number one. Give you five keys to victory here. Like I said, this is not the same matchup that Syracuse played back on December 31st. This is a game where a lot has changed. So let's go over it. Uh, key number one is Yo-Jo. Boy, does Joe Girard love to see Boston College. Just when Joe Girard needs a surge of confidence, just when Joe Girard has to get back into the flow for Syracuse after two games being held under 10 points. And by the way, when Joe Girard's been held to fewer than 10 points, Syracuse is 1-5 in five on the season. It was just the sixth time this year that it had happened. They only won one of those games. Girard has averaged 15.7 points per game against Boston College. He shot 48% from the field and 53.7% from three-point range against Boston College. Go back to the last game, he had 24 points against Boston College. He just loves to see this team. So Joe's got to get going again. I know that's obvious to state. 
but he's playing a team he loves to see. And here's the other important thing in why Gerard in particular has to get going again in this game. Boston College is dreadful from the three-point line. They are 342nd in the country from the three-point line. Now, things are different in style of play in particular from the first game, but one notable stat from the first game that has to repeat itself in this game, I think, if Syracuse is going to win, is they doubled up BC from the three-point line, mostly due to Joe Girard. But BC only had four three-pointers in the first game. Syracuse had eight in the first game. I know that teams that even traditionally, statistically, are not up there in three-point range will hit open shots against the Orange. This team just doesn't have it. In particular, if uh, Langford's out again for Boston College, we'll see about that. AJ's going to update us on that later in the show. But, yo, Joe, he's got to have his typical game. He's got to feast on a team. He normally feasts on and gets Syracuse going from the three-point line because BC will not be able to match it. Number two. Post up, we mentioned the name, Quentin Post. He has been on a tear since coming back into the lineup. He missed the first 13 games of the season due to injury. In the 10 games since he has come back, which, by the way, began with Boston College's loss to Syracuse, he's averaged 15.6 points, six rebounds, and just over a block per game, he leads BC in each of those categories. So he comes back against the against Syracuse, just back into the lineup. Didn't make a difference there, but since then has been on an absolute tear for this team. And look, Jesse Edwards at this point has been, by his measure, inconsistent. Now, I'll take Jesse Edwards any day of the week and twice on Sunday. And he sets such a lofty standard that when he doesn't just automatically like give you a double-double or dominant performance, you say, what's wrong with Jesse? And it all harkens back to uh, free throws, foul trouble, all those things that you need Jesse to be consistent on. But now you got a legit big-time body in the paint that's back in the flow, that's healthy, that's confident again, and can challenge Jesse and kind of, you know, you never know which uh, officiating crew and what kind of mood they're in and, how the whistles are blowing in games like this. But you got a legit big man who is on a tear right now. We gave you the numbers for Boston College. That's going to be a matchup to watch in this one. So not only handling post, limiting the damage there, but Jesse's got to counter it, and Jesse's got to be in there to take him on. Number three. Mintz the man. Look, Judah Mintz has scored 41 points in the last two games for Syracuse. He had a weird game against Boston College the first time around. He had 18 points. He had eight assists, but he also turned the ball over a bunch. He didn't really get going until late in that game. One thing, it's not even part of my keys here, but I just thought of it to mention. Benny Williams had 16-11 and 11 against Boston College in the first game. I don't think we can count on that again. He's not even in the starting lineup anymore, and he's just been too inconsistent to count on here that being said it's a game he's got a lot of confidence again he can come off the bench give this team a spark particularly if Chris Bell continues to lag a little bit or if Malik Brown struggles uh Jim Beheim on Chris Bell by the way this is uh, from his radio show last night the thing with Chris is he, he's a very lackadaisical player and those players are not players that many coaches like He's a shooter, but he's very, you know, 
there's not a lot of effort put out out there that you see. So when he makes a very basic catch and gives the ball to the other team, you can't play. <laughs> You're not protecting the ball. You can't. You know, I don't like that. Like if somebody misses a shot or he misses a couple shots, that doesn't matter. Um, if he gets beat defensively in the wrong way, that couldn't matter. But that happens. But when you give the ball to the other team, that's your inexcusable you don't survive that we saw that in the early part of the virginia game he commits a turnover 14 seconds innings out so benny is inconsistent and benny's not even in the lineup anymore as a starter and look benny's been at practice all week but he's coming off the personal day we don't know what kind of bounce back he's going to have but he did play well in the first game Chris Bell's just been too inconsistent to even include in the keys to the game, and Jim gave a pretty honest, somewhat harsh assessment, but fair in the sense of how he's been playing, of Bell. So that's why this harkens back to Mintz. If Joe Girard is hitting from three and Jesse's handling his business in the post against post and Judah Mintz continues his hot streak, it's going to lessen the importance of guys like Malik Brown, Chris Bell, and Benny Williams to be big contributors in this game. Now, I you're going to hear A.J. Black talk about this later, why he feels like this game will be one in the paint, one in the post, even beyond Quinton Post. So that's a situation, if it goes that way, you're going to need two out of three of those guys certainly to be contributing. And look, Malik Brown has been pretty darn consistent since coming in. As Mike Waters points out here, he's shooting 71%, 56 of 79 from the field. In an eight-game stretch, he has averaged... 9.6 points and 6 rebounds per game. I mean, Malik Brown has been the model of consistency since he's come in. So I, I would certainly count on him to do that again against Boston College. But that's why Judah Mintz has to continue that hot streak to take some pressure off the guys inside. Number four. Closing time. I mean, just close the game. The final score of that Boston College game the first time around, by the way, is deceiving. 79-65 looks like, okay, they handled their business. Yeah, they eventually did, but that was a back-and-forth game for a while, and it was a game where it, it just took Syracuse a while. They had a, a, one of their famous slow starts in that game, and it just took them a while to kick it into gear and take control of that game at home. They're on the road now. Boston College will bring me to number five, by the way. Number five. So we'll kind of combine the two here. Who's feeling it? Syracuse has to close a game out. Now, it's important that Syracuse closes games out, period, which they have done, but they have not closed out a game against a team that matters in the sense of top of the league, quad one teams, right? They've lost all these close games against good teams. Pitt, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia. BC's playing as well as anybody right now. Record-wise, quad-wise, Perception-wise, it doesn't feel like a big deal. But who's feeling it is key number five for a reason. Syracuse is probably not feeling good about itself right now. They've lost three of their last four. Four of their last three straight, four of their last five, pardon me. There's been a lot of talk this week about, and not that the players care about this stuff, but it just feels like, and maybe this was by design, right, with all the talk about the press conferences and all that other stuff and just kind of a negative vibe that's been surrounding the team. And, again, it, it, it can galvanize a team, too. Maybe they'll want to go out there and, and you know, kind of win one for coach, if you will, because people like me have been picking on them all week. But 
BC's feeling it right now. They just beat the best team in the league. They've won three of four. BC has lost some terrible games this year. You look at that schedule, they lost to Maine, who was literally like the worst team in, in Ken Palm rankings last year. But that feels like an eternity ago based on how they're playing right now. Boston College has kicked it into gear at this point. Now, to win big games, there have to be kind of anomalies. Clemson missed 15 straight shots in that BC game, which you have to give Boston College credit. They clamped down on them. They trapped them. They played some interesting defense against Clemson in that game. Syracuse lost this game, but go back to the first Virginia game in Charlottesville that ended up being a respectable score, and Syracuse lost by five to Virginia earlier this week because they couldn't close the game. First Virginia game, Virginia in the last 11 minutes of that game only had three field goals. They just kept missing and missing and missing, and a lot of those were open shots. B.C. threw a monkey wrench in the equation. B.C. only allowed 23 points in the first half of that Clemson game. Their defense has kicked into gear here. Low-scoring game, 62-54. to So who is feeling it right now? BC is. Syracuse, we don't know what they're feeling. We don't know how they're going to react to losing another close game and kind of knowing, like, it is such an uphill battle for them to make it to the NCAA tournament, which, frankly, is a pipe dream at this point. Any postseason is a pipe dream at this point because they just don't have the wins. So how do they handle their business? Who's feeling it in this game I think is really important. So your five keys to beat Boston College. Yo, Joe, post up, mince the man, closing time, and as noted there, who's feeling it? How you feeling about this one? 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter, or you can uh, hop in the chat at QSportsTalk. Com. So plenty on that through the afternoon here. We'll switch gears on the other side here. You guys are welcome to chime in on the phones and in the chat on that. But uh, we'll start getting into a little lacrosse talk here as the 2023 season begins at the JMA Wireless Dome tomorrow. You know what makes me think about lacrosse? One degree weather and lots of snow on the ground. <laughs> we'll get to that next. You're on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Glad to have you here on this frigid central New York day. Getting ready for Syracuse Boston College. Brian Higgins. God bless him. He's going to pinch hit for yours truly on pregame tomorrow at 4 o'clock. So I'll be listening for Higgo ahead of Syracuse and Boston College. At 4 o'clock tomorrow, 5 o'clock tip time, we got Syracuse lacrosse over on TK99 starting at 1 o'clock. And I'm going to get into a little lax coming up here. Uh, but first, uh, we see what Scooter in Jamesville has lined up today. Scooter, I mean, what are we betting on? And There's no Pro Bowl props or anything yeah, out there this weekend, it, it, right? It's kind of quiet out it, there. You know, to be honest, Brent, for a day to stay inside if you're a basketball fan, there are some quality games you might want to keep an Oops. eye on. Uh, All right. Yeah, Purdue. Well, Purdue, Indiana is interesting because Indiana's caught fire, and they're playing home. And uh, I'll keep an eye on that game because uh, Indiana's be interesting because it's the type of team that uh, you don't may want to face in the tournament if they make it. They beat the beat. 
uh, beat Illinois on the road was only the second loss Illinois had all year. Of course, we saw what they did to Syracuse. And from the West Coast, you got St. Mary's and Gonzaga facing each other. But the team that's caught fire again, that's one of our trend games, is Arizona's playing Oregon State. They've beaten Oregon State 20 out of the last 22 times, six straight. I already buried them on the road already at Oregon State. And Arizona's coming off a 91-point game against Oregon. So they'll probably be my Sophie's pick, uh, our trends, the over and uh, depending on how, how how big the line is and stuff, but uh, it's a lot of good games. Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia. Of course, you got Duke, North Carolina. So, got a lot of good All games. Right, I uh, like this. Look at. I I, I, I I thought coming into this, gonna be quiet, but we got the hoops. There's always something. Yeah. To to laugh. Oh yeah. To. All right. Good now, stuff. Now now it's so cold plan. out. Now it's so cold out there. I I swear I saw polar bears as. A, as school crossing guards today, it was it was, it was that cold and stuff. And it, uh, it is that was, cold. It's literally yeah. one degree as we speak right now. Yep. And uh, I, I was thinking in the springtime of you know reinventing myself. I was gonna. By the way, you, you missed missed Happy uh, Tater Tot Day uh, yesterday. By the way, my apologies uh, for that. Yes. And how, how, how dare how dare we miss such a monumental day? Yeah. In uh, the American lexicon. Well, I was going to open up a hot dog tater tot stand. It's going to be called Hots and Tots. So I'm thinking about doing that in March and oh, stuff. Oh, well, here I'm come the jokes. Here come. Yeah. Scooter, I think you're breaking yeah. up a little bit. Yeah, there you go. What? <laughs> what? Thanks, buddy. Have a great weekend. We appreciate it, sir. Hots and Tots. There you go. Let's uh, stop by see Scooter. And uh, not only get a hot dog with some tater tots, but, uh, you know, get the over on Purdue, Indiana this weekend. Two for the price of one. You know, when Scooter's working the uh, the stand-up jokes, we got a light weekend on, on the betting front there. Thank you, sir. Always appreciate it. Hey, lacrosse, welcome to the chat. Yeah, it's back, baby. Just what you think about on a cold day like this. Now, this, to me, is a fascinating scenario. Scenario, as Chris Russo would say. Last year was last year. Last year was... Record-wise, the worst season they've ever had. Ten double-digit losses in the 107-year history of Syracuse lacrosse. It's never happened. Last year was a strange season. The transition with Gary Gate, Dave Petromal and company taking over for John Desco. There were a lot of injuries, limitations on the offensive end. Teams that played Syracuse eventually kind of figured out, like, the Tucker Dordovic is the offense. And he had a couple other guys, Curry and some players, that started to get a groove at the end of the year. But it was a limited offensive team. It was one of the worst defensive teams I've ever seen, frankly. I mean, only, what, seven teams gave up more goals than Syracuse last year. So how do you fix that? Will Mark steps in a goaltender for Syracuse. Let's start there. It was the transfer from LIU. He faced a lot of shots at LIU. He actually led the country in saves two years in a row in 2020 and 2021. He's very experienced. He's seen a lot of offense. And I talked to Dave Petromala just a couple weeks ago when Syracuse kind of had their first media session. But he said one thing the defense has to do to adjust is figure out what they're comfortable in terms of, okay, we can't chase down every shot. Where are we comfortable letting players take shots? Rick Beardsley and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Because, you know, the higher the percentage, the closer you get to the goal, of course. And you have to scout out particular shooters that can 
they're really shooting from the outside, if they are fast shooters. If So, of course, you have to do your, your homework there. But I feel like this defense has to really prioritize who they guard and how and what they're comfortable percentage-wise. Like, you want to take a shot from there, go ahead. I'm going to trust my goalie to save that. And I feel like they've got a goalie that can do that this year, whereas they did not last year. You know, they brought in Bobby Gavin. It was worth doing because the position needed a little jolt. And he went back and forth with uh, HT, as they call him, Harrison Thompson. So now you bring in Mark. He starts. He was named a preseason All-American, now honorable mention. But those that have seen him play and know the game think that highly of him. And we're in the transfer portal era now. Grad students that get to go elsewhere. Dordovic did it. He went from Syracuse to Georgetown, which how dare you, sir, go from Syracuse to Georgetown. Ugh. Georgetown actually might win the national title this year, so I don't blame him on that front. But, dude, it's 429, and you know the rest. So defensively, I'm as curious as anybody. They gave the number 11 to a freshman. He's unfortunately hurt right now. So you're going to see another freshman, Billy Dwan, get out there. Nick Kakamo comes back, who was a great defender last year but can only do so much on his own. You're just going to see some other players. They're not particularly deep at that position right now but they have to prioritize things. Now, this is the type of game tomorrow. So, Vermont, guys, I'm going to tell you right now, don't fall out of your chair if Vermont wins this game. Vermont has one of the best face-off guys in the country, and that is Tommy Burke. Tommy Burke came to the Dome two years ago and won 24 of 34 face-offs. Now, Syracuse won that game 17-13, but in that type of scenario... What you need is takeaways. You need a lot of saves from your goalie. You need plays the other way. And that team two years ago, when they played Vermont, they were the number seven team in the country. And they had more offensive talent. They had a better defense, better goaltending situation. Everything was better, right? But here, Jacob Fopp, and they had Danny Varello then two years ago, got beat by this kid a lot. Syracuse is trying to figure out what their face-off situation is. They brought in a transfer from Canisius. I think you're going to see a couple of different guys taking face-offs tomorrow, but they don't have a, at least from what we know right now, we'll see if they find somebody that can lock it down. But there's no Jacob Fopp out there. There's no Danny Varello out there right now. Vermont brings in two really good attackmen. They've got one of the best long-stick middies in the America East, and what Syracuse has to take advantage of is they're transitioning a goalie. They're trying to find out who their goalie is. And, look, we've talked a lot about Joey Spolina. I'm as excited, frankly. I'm excited to watch him play because you got a 22 coming in as a freshman who's been as hyped as any, and I feel like he will live up to that hype. But it's not just Spolina. It's that attack because you have Spolina, you have Owen Hiltz back, who was electric in 2021, had to sit out last year due to injury, the transfer Alex Simmons. And now here's a big question that I have because another really talented offensive freshman that Syracuse brings in is Finn Thompson. So Joey's 22, he's 23. Do you run Finn Thompson at midi a little bit to get him on the field? Or do you change him up with Simmons at attack? I I don't think Gary's going to be afraid to mix in some guys because what you have to get back to is moving the ball, fast-paced, Syracuse lacrosse, fastest game on two feet, right? Move the ball, excitement, fun. Between 
those names I mentioned and a few that I haven't yet, because I think that midfield position is who takes over there. There's some opera. They brought in Cole Curse, the transfer from Lehigh. They bring in uh, Burt Whistle is back, who went on an absolute heater at the end of last season. But there is no commanding presence at midfield right now. Now, you have Pete Farini back. You have Max Rosa back. You have Griffin Cook back. Now, three Central New York guys right there. Three, uh, two out of three are seniors, but three veteran players. Three rare veteran players. There's only seven seniors or grad students on this roster. There's 23 new players, including freshmen, right? So this is a com- almost a complete reset. The familiar faces, the names that you'll recall from last year are few and far between. There's three of them, and I'd like to see those guys lead the way, but frankly, none of those three command the midfielder room right now. They're free to prove me wrong there. They're good players, but they're not dominant players at this point. So that midfield position has to show who's the alpha male. Do you put Finn up there or switch him up at attack? The defensive questions, the goalie, the face-off, like I'm as intrigued as anybody. I am as intrigued as anybody what they do out of the shoot here. Do you just count on the offense? Do you let Spolina do his thing? And look, that offense, that attack, Gary Gates said something the other day that I think makes a lot of sense. They're going to make each other great. Because one thing about Spolina, and it, he kind of reminds me in this sense of Judah Mintz on the basketball team. He can be the offense, but he's a great distributor. He had more assists last year than goals, and he had 73 goals and 83 assists in his senior year at Mount Sinai, which is you know, one of the best programs on Long Island. So who's feeling it? Who's facilitating versus the offense versus being the offense? And these guys are getting used to each other, right? Everybody's new out there. It's a whole new attack. It's a whole new midfield. It's a whole new defense. It's a new goalie. It's a new face-off guy. And I heard some great reports. Rick Beardsley talked a little bit about it yesterday. I heard some great reports from a scrimmage they had against Michigan recently, but real deal. Vermont made the tournament last year. Won the America East. Mentioned the, the great players they have coming back and they're going to have a distinct advantage of the face-off X. They're going to have more possessions. So this is an intriguing game. I think you hear it on the surface, like, yeah, Vermont, hey, that's a nice little uh, patsy they put on the schedule to start the year. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I like how Gary did this. Vermont, Albany, Holy Cross, three manageable games, three games that Syracuse should win, but it's a whole new team out there. Then you get into the... You know, we got Maryland after that. Of course, the ACC always tough and the usual tough opponents that make its way onto the Syracuse lacrosse schedule. But Gary has talked about this a couple times. Gary and I talked about it a couple weeks ago in that there was purpose in the schedule. I have said this forever about a lot of different sports. Schedule matters. Syracuse has always been like that Notre Dame type schedule. But, you know, now that they're in the ACC, there's certain staples that are on that schedule, but Syracuse always just would bring in the best of the best, the brand names. Everybody would want to play Syracuse. There's no Cornell on the schedule this year. It just didn't work out. Hopefully they'll get back on there next year. But Gary said the schedule is made with purpose. He sees this as a good kind of, you know, the plane coming in, nice smooth landing type of thing. I'm sure Vermont feels great about that, that they were kind of put on the schedule as that team. But I'm going to tell you right now, 
do not be surprised if Vermont wins this game. Do I think they're going to? I'm going to say no. But I don't know what to think about this team. I'm excited about this Syracuse team. I, I'm intrigued by this team. because There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of guys that I think are going to come out there and you're going to enjoy watching. But, man, it's all new. This is just out of the package, right? But there's, I'll say there's flat-out more talent on that field on offense this year than there was last year. I just straight up. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock, TK99. Be there or be square. Lacrosse is back, baby. Hot takes coming up to warm you up on a one-degree day here in central New York. Uh, Did anybody tell Kyrie Irving that yesterday was Groundhog Day? We'll talk about it coming up.